If a werewolf goes to a planet without a moon, will it ever transform? Are flies just tiny birds? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello and welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is a comedy podcast where every Tuesday we investigate a different tale, claim, or beast, or demon, or... uh, animal we've never seen or heard of before and decide whether it's paranormal or not plot twists most of the time it's not but sometimes it is and that's why we're here every single week sorting the wheat from the chaff my name's kit grimalvena this guy's roy pars across from me, my co-investigator how are you doing today roy i'm doing fantastic uh yesterday was my first day out of quarantine i've been quarantining for 10 Since... days and uh I'm out, baby. I'm back. I was worried for a second that you were going to say quarantining since March 2020 <laughs> or something. <laughs> I heard it was safe. I came outside for the first time. I'm ready. And boy, it is bright. Uh, how does it feel to be out? feels fantastic. I mean, you have gone back inside a dungeon uh, to right, record it, this. It does feel a little sad to be out for And we actually have a lot to make into... up on recording, too. So you're not leaving for 11, Several, 12 days? Yeah. Quite quite a few. We're going to be back in the dungeon. Um, But yeah, it was nice. I went out uh, yesterday. uh, You know, went out and uh, had some pizza, which was delicious. Um, Couldn't taste it, of course. I don't know what's going on there. Um, And I had this frigging cough that was driving me nuts too. You need to. We need to stay in now for this. And if we could get through this, that would be really great because I feel like shit today. Frankly, my God. And I thought it was going to be fine, but it's like, it's been getting worse and, uh, it's good to be outside, but it also like, (coughs) it's also just like, but it also cough. (laughs) That's what you have to say. I feel like you knew you were going to cough when you said, but it's also, I just can't, it's hard to put sentences together because I can't like taste or smell anything. Yeah. You mentioned that. And, uh, which is one of the most famous symptoms of COVID-19. Is it? Yeah. Because on the phone where they were like, the NHS called me and they were like, have you have you done any tests? And I said, yeah, negative. And I think they took that as like, my tests were negative, but I was like, nope. But you didn't <laughs> say no. Nope. You said, <laughs> no, ne- said negative. Right. You use the word that usually means I'm healthy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then she was like, are you sure? And I said, positive. So there was some confusion. Granted, I, that was a poor choice of words. Now that I think you about were looking it. at the test when you said positive. <laughs> uh, f- me, this is a bit of a change to how I thought this episode was going to go. But to be honest, we're here and I, we might as well finish the episode and then, I don't know, go to an ICU. I think I don't yeah. feel well. In today's investigation, it's September 29th, 1903 in Van Meter, Iowa. It's one in the morning and implement dealer UG Griffith is sound asleep in bed. Implement dealer means he uh, is in the business of farm equipment. That's really, thank you for clarifying that. You thought it was weed? I didn't know why. I had no clue what that was. Only around a thousand people live there today, but in the early 1900s, the population is just shy of 400. Residents are used to a quiet life, so UG Griffith is pissed when he's awoken by a bright light in the middle of the night. Here we go. You said it was, at the time, it was only 400 people that lived there? Yep. Now, bear in mind that uh, populations of towns were a lot like the contrast in the value of money. Mm. So in olden days, a dollar was like 
a million dollars in today's money. I think that checks out. So an old timey town that had 400 residents is like New York City. This is a metropolis. Yeah, there were just less people on earth. So so this was like a hustling, bustling. A, a, a nuclear family of four that would that was like the population of Amsterdam. Yeah, exactly. You could buy a house for a quarter. Ooh, what in the hell? He's not going to stand for this. He's got implements to deal in the morning. Not wanting to yell out the window and wake up both the other residents of the town, he pulls on his boots and heads out into the street. He's furious, muttering to himself, Some dumb kid's found himself a spotlight, huh? Wants to mess with my sleep, huh? I'll show him. A spot? I thought it was 1903. Did they have spotlights then? I guess so. Ah, maybe they did. They had cars though, right? So they must have had lights. Yeah, maybe. Back then, maybe it was two candles in the front of your car. Load up cartimeline.com. We need to get to the bottom of this. He sees the source of the light perched on top of a house and strides up to it, ready to unleash the scolding of a lifetime. He's blinded by the beam, but squinting up, he can just about make out a vast and terrifying shape. That's no kid. Whatever's holding this blazing torch is enormous, but it's shining so bright Griffith can barely keep his eyes open. Suddenly the creature leaps high into the air in the blink of an eye. Whoa! It clears Main Street in one jump, landing on a house on the other side of the street. Griffith can't believe how fast it had traveled. He's never seen anything like this before. He's frozen on the spot, eyes fixed on the grotesque silhouette. But as quickly as it had hopped across the street, it slips away into the dark night. Ladies and gentlemen, we are looking at some sort of intergalactic frog. <laughs> That's right, everyone. It's the Loveland Frogman Part 2. He's moved to Iowa from Ohio. He's back. He didn't move very far, sure, in the scheme of Earth. Uh, the, <laughs> Ohio got too hot. Too many people were looking for the almond-eating frogman. Uh, so he's moved to Iowa. Yeah, maybe. Who maybe knows? it's an intergalactic frog. We do not know. All he saw was, quote unquote, a vast and terrifying shape in the darkness. Wow. Griffith heads back to bed, trying to convince himself he's dreaming, sleepwalking, or straight up hallucinating. But it would soon become clear that this is just the first of a flurry of sightings of what would go on to be called the Van Meter Visitor. Ooh. I like the ambig ambiguity there. The, not, vis the visitor. Not a lot to go on. Yeah. With that name. We're usually one for specifics. The right. frog man. The, the donkey lady. <laughs> yeah. Very specific descriptions of the creature. So when you throw something out there like the visitor, now that's cool. That's very cool. It actually implies uh, nothing and yet quite a lot. It also implies that they came and dipped. Yeah, right. They, they didn't stick around. I like this. I like it a lot. So it's a lot scarier sounding than some of the creatures we've investigated in the past. Absolutely. Everyone knows when you watch a horror movie that the boring bit is when they reveal the monster at the very end. It's the Scooby-Doo ripping off the mask. Uh, once you can see it and touch it and feel it with your, your own hands, uh, it's not as scary anymore. It's worse if it sneaks up behind you, says boo, and then uh, vanishes. You never even see that You don't thing. know if you've even gone crazy or if it was real. Terrifying. The following night's events would happen to someone else. 
The town's medic, Dr. Alcott, is roused by a blinding light outside his... <laughs> it's also bad. If your town is so small, it just has a medic, not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. A guy who knows the f***ing recovery position. And maybe if CPR if you're lucky. Yeah, it's all... There's no, no preventative action being taken place. <laughs> it's only someone who can deal with all the problems. Yeah. No one to prevent any of them. It's basically a PE teacher with a first aid kit. That's what you're <laughs> dealing with here. Yeah, if you go to them with uh, high blood pressure, good luck. Yeah, it's not going to help. He All he has is a suitcase of morphine and a big cartoon hammer to bonk you on the head with before an operation. <laughs> That's right, Dr. Alcott is roused by a blinding light outside his window and goes out to investigate. It is true, you make a good point. I guess they wouldn't have had very sophisticated lights back then, so a light, not a lot of blinding lights. Even nowadays, if a laser beam comes in through your window, you're just like, ah, eh, some f kid has got a laser pen and they're flying around the place. Yeah. Granted, a torch coming through your living room window would be a lot scarier. Yeah, unless, I don't know, presumably that's what it's like living in downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> right. Police helicopters and searchlights yeah, hovering open overboard. up, let me in, we've got a search warrant. Whereas, I've heard it all before. Yeah, if I was just sleeping in my apartment and a spotlight came in through the windows, I would think I'm getting scrooged. I would think that three ghosts are now going to visit me and uh, <laughs> tell me to stop being such a little bastard. I, I mean, at the same time, I have told you about... Uh, the simply inordinate amount of police helicopters that circle my flat on a daily basis. Right. <laughs> uh, I do, well, we live like relatively close to each other. You don't get this very much, right? No, I don't. <laughs> you live in a, also a lot busier area than yeah. I do. But uh, every single night, dozens of police helicopters descend on my street. I don't know why I we live four streets apart, <laughs> and yet I am in... I'm on an Animal Crossing island and you're in GTA Vice City. <laughs> it's f***ed up. It's actually f***ed up when you're trying to sleep and police helicopters are circling you. Because you do all that um, dog fighting as well in the basement. So you're always kind of on edge anyway. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. and they're just like out looking for petty criminals and stuff and you're sweating bullets. Yeah, dog fighting, street racing. Yeah. Sorry, I, I should clarify because uh, I think that painted you in a bad light. You don't you don't make dogs fight each other. You fight the dogs. That's what it was. I oh, feel yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. some people thought maybe you made dogs fight. That's that was totally that's not okay. Um Kit fights the dogs. Yeah. So the I first rule of Fight Club is don't wow. don't whiff about it. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it for a couple of years. It's like uh you know, I just tell people it's like MMA or something. It's like niche, but like it's gonna be big, you know? Um yeah. I, I think I could be the Conor McGregor of it, of that sport. Uh, I'd it, say you maybe have to like work your way up a little bit more. I'd have to win at least one match, yeah. which I haven't done. And they're small dogs they too. Are, I want everyone to know not that. Big. Uh, I'm quite worried about my first bout with a border terrier because mm -hmm. the chihuahuas nearly made me infertile. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I, I I came around the other day to podcast and a pomeranian had you in a headlock, uh, which is their almost paws are so small. It's inc it was almost incredible yeah. because for it to even lock your head with its little arms was incredibly impressive. I tried impressive. to take it down and I got like a mouthful of uh, dog hair and I couldn't yeah. breathe for the rest. Of, I think I black, I think the dog won by default because I blacked out. So early, 
Um, so don't feel bad for the dogs either, because they're pretty much running the show. They almost have a human fight club where they just take turns beating up Kit in his own basement. And people always say the dogs always win. This must be rigged. But I organize the fights. I'm the promoter. So it's not rigged. It's rigged against me, if anything. So if you see uh, me walking around East London, top off, flabby abs, not at all like Brad Pitt, but walking six dogs under the guise of a dog walking business, that's actually what I'm up to. The, uh, the, the door is open, by the way, all the time. The dogs can leave whenever they want, but they kind of like get off on, on beating up Kit now. So it's their playtime. More time. dogs it's have joined since the, since the fighting league started rather than more have left. Uh, I cannot stress enough to recap. Dr. Alcott is roused by a blinding light outside his window and goes to investigate. But unlike Eugene Griffith, he has the sense to grab his shotgun on the way out of the door. As soon as he sets his foot outside, there the creature is on a rooftop. It's eight feet tall, easily. Blast him! Something about it looks strangely human, except it has... (laughs) Hold fire! (laughs) I was a little fast there. It has a set of huge leathery wings. Blast him! He realizes the light is coming from what looks like a horn on its head. Remembering there's a weapon in his hands, he takes his chance to open fire. He takes five shots in total. <laughs> this must be a semi-automatic pump action. Dude, it, well, it better be, otherwise he's reloading. <laughs> yeah, again, this is not the behavior of someone I would want to save my life. He's getting phone call after phone call to come to people who are ill down the street. <laughs> I've got a John Wick-style shootout to attend first, sorry. At first, he thinks he's missing the target. But for the last few, he sees his bullets make contact. They just aren't doing anything. The doctor's whole body floods with fear and he runs home and slams the door behind him. If you're unloading five shotgun shells into an eight-foot creature and it's not even phased, you best hope you saved a couple shells for yourself. Because that thing's not coming down and it's gonna tear you to shreds if it gets its hands on you. That's why uh, the shotgun's a bold choice, because it's it's a hard one to turn on yourself when you need to in a sort of <laughs> cryptid man battle. Right. You would almost have to take your shoe off and use your, your feet to kind of right. try and pull the trigger. If one needed to. The next day, everyone's talking about it. Rumors are circling and people are scared. I heard it's 20 feet tall. Well, I heard it picked Griffin up and shook him like a dog. It isn't long until these panicked whispers fall on the ears of local badass Clarence Dunn. He's a logical man and knows that there's nothing strange going on here. It's probably a clever gang of robbers trying to lure the entire town out of their homes at night. Or worse, they're headed for the town vault. The town vault? But Clarence is a rebel with a cause. This is his town. And if anyone's going to be creeping around in the middle of the night, it's going to be him. He decides to wait up and keep watch to solve the mystery once and for all. He pitches up at the bank in the middle of town, his trusty shotgun at his side. If any bandits try and make their way in, he'll be ready. This got really Red Dead really fast. I mentioned to Rory right before we started recording that this town is uh, perched on the side of Raccoon River. Yeah. So it's a real time and place in history. Hours pass with no disturbance, but the eerie silence is broken by a violent strangling sound. 
Clambering to his feet and grabbing for his shotgun, Clarence staggers towards the door. Before he can get there, he's struck with a paralyzing beam of light. Try as he might, he can't move. It's as if his shoes have been nailed to the floorboards. Without warning, the blazing light dims, and Clarence sees what he later described as some kind of great form behind the light. He's scared and confused, but is regaining his faculties. He realizes he's mere meters from the monster, raises his gun, and shoots it right from where he's standing, nice shattering the window of the bank. Clarence hadn't believed Dr. Alcott's story about a fearsome creature impervious to bullets, but it was standing before his very eyes. But only for another moment. Just like the two previous nights, it vanishes without a trace as he watches. Whoa. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, what do you make of that if you were Clarence? It's interesting he was hit by the beam of light and frozen on the spot like it's some kind of freeze ray. Mm. I'd like to know if it was because of the light that he was paralyzed or is this kind of like a total shock yeah yeah like frozen on the spot can't believe what i'm seeing kind of ordeal because he gets his hands on the shotgun pretty fast for someone who's completely paralyzed yeah it's really hard to know isn't it i mean we do have to remember like even though we have not been through the eyes of a couple different people who've experienced this (laughs) clarence thought there was a a a team of bandits in the town up until about 30 seconds ago yeah If this is what I was confronted with for the very first time, knowing nothing about it, I would probably be frozen to the spot. You were warned, Clarence! You were warned very descriptively of what this thing was. The audacity for people to tell their stories and you go, nah, I think it's bandits. And then that same night, an eight-foot light beast comes at your front door and you're like, (gasps) who could have foresaw this? (laughs) Better shoot it. No one's tried that before. (laughs) <laughs> I know Clarence talking to the police after the fags like, I guess in retrospect, I'm shocked but not surprised <laughs> on account of being told every single detail of the previous encounters. Even the bullets not having any effect. I wonder if they're kind of bouncing off the creature like Superman or if they're just phasing through it like it doesn't even exist. I mean, yeah, that's a great point. I love that detail of this story where he shoots the thing at point blank range, but all that happens is the window of the bank smashes into pieces. It feels like a moment from James Bond when he's uh, running around the the fun house of mirrors. Oh, yeah. And he's like trying to catch the the villain, but it's like, it's all smoke and mirrors. He can't see where they are. Yeah. And it's as if this beast is playing him using the glass. You, you run in, all the lights go on, and he's like, he's got the gun and he's looking at all the mirrors and you just hear like... <laughs> You think you know what's real and what's not. <laughs> well, this is Batman now. You think you know what's real and what's not, Batman. But I think that you'll find that illusion plays a big part in, in our society today. Of course, in those movies, it's he never shoots the right person first. No. He always gets a couple mirrors down, you know. Always a couple down, and then right when you're least expecting it, the the Joker, let's face it, appears right <laughs> behind him and he can't see it. And grabs him yeah. by the throat. Or or he's he's got the gun pointed at what he thinks is a mirror, and then the mirror just goes Rah! and That's, he jumps Oh, perfect. It's it's it writes it itself. It really writes really. itself. It really does. So I love that uh I love this creature's commitment to cinema. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a real like if you're gonna be a night beast, 
you might as well do some theatrics yeah 100 percent. although i would love to see the version where batman goes to the hall of mirrors he's got the gun (laughs) ready and it's just the joker going you see illusions are something that you don't understand batman and that (laughs) i got you now (laughs) (laughs) how how did you see me it's not that deceptive. I, you're right in front of me. I could feel your breath on my skin. You know how sound works, right? Like I can hear that you're right in front There's of me. There's only one mirror as well. <laughs> one big mirror. That or you shoot the mirror. It ricochets and gets him in the nuts. I mean, it's wild that the vault is a thing, that this is a thing. <laughs> Where did that come from? The is kept in one vault. Yeah, one big treasure chest that this paranormal beast is gonna oceans 11 this vault i think it's uh i know it sounds a bit wild but i think it is a thing right back in the day small time there'd only be one bank probably i um, guess and it's yeah, all and physical keep, cash so keep all your goods in it yeah i mean i would 100 percent watch a movie where a, a a small group of paranormal creatures team up to rob a casino <laughs> Right, where Crypt- they're like cryptid oceans eleven. Yeah, they're like chupacabra. You need to enter the vents at this location right. and drop Using down right when Goatman abilities. Yeah, yeah, you got everyone there. Spring heel Jack, you need to launch yourself onto the top of the building. There will be a helicopter pad. <laughs> Get ready for the donkey lady to breach the walls. Loch Ness monster just there's like a stream that goes into the building. If not, I don't know. Just like take five because we don't actually know why you're here. Do you need human money? Loch Ness monster, do you need human money? I don't know how you work. He doesn't. He doesn't speak. He doesn't speak. English, of course, no, he doesn't speak any language. He is underwater. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Can anyone translate? And anyone know what that means? Spring Hill Jack. You know we need you to do your stuff, but please do not throw any acid in anyone's face. That's not a cool cryptid thing to do. It's just <laughs> illegal. We could have got a human to do that if we wanted someone to do that. So don't. <laughs> Only the men, I see. No, no, no accident, nobody's face. Clarence sinks to the floor, his heart pounding. He can't process what he's just seen. All he wants to do is get to the safety of his own bed, but he's pretty shaken up. Not to mention, he should really watch over the bank until morning, as he's just busted the window wide open, (laughs) and bandits could really run in and take the whole thing. He's a bandit, not. At this point, yeah. After a few hours of nightmare-riddled sleep, he steps outside to greet the new day. There on the ground outside the bank beneath the shell casings and shards of glass are huge three-toed footprints. Oh boy. Forgetting all about the security of the town's money, he bolts home to grab a pot of plaster so he can make a cast of these things. Just a day ago, he had brushed this whole thing off as an elaborate prank. He knows he needs proof if anyone sensible is going to believe him. Rory, I would love to uh, show you an image of these casts, but um, you know it's better than physical evidence. Sometimes it's just like using your imagination. Hearsay. Because we can really, you can really like in VR dive into the, the time and place using our minds and kind of just usually I picture would, it. Usually I'd be more upset, but look, it's 19, 1903, I yeah. believe you said. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. That is a long time ago. This is a guy who just broke into a bank to fight a night beast with a shotgun. Yeah, I don't got, trust him with an any possessions. <laughs> and yeah, he's not, he, he wasn't uploading this shit to like Wikipedia. Who allowed him to do this? Who gave him the okay to be the one to do when this? When your local badass Clarence done, you get to do what you want. Because even when the beast came and went, 
he just slept in the bank having constant nightmares until he woke up presumably shotgun in hand does this he have is a job terrible... does he have a job what does he do why is he local badass i wish that was a profession but i don't think it is yeah this is dangerously close to the actions of john marston from red dead redemption he needn't have bothered trying to prove it to anyone because that week the creature pops up all over the place the town is incapacitated with terror ov white the owner of the hardware store takes a shot at it when he sees it asleep at the top of a telephone pole asleep (laughs) well it's tuckered on account of spending all night haunting the villagers on the top of a telephone pole i thought this thing was huge it's a really well it is but it's a real bird-like thing to do isn't it oh yeah that's right you said it had wings to be fair okay Mm. The air suddenly fills with a disgusting, sour smell. White thinks it must be a defense mechanism like a skunk, and it smells beyond terrible. His neighbor isn't far behind and catches up with the mysterious visitor as it's climbing down the pole. He aims his gun at it, but it takes flight before he can pull the trigger. These don't work. But as we all know from all military action movies, people with guns tend to not take it on face value or on your word that guns don't work. They're like, nah, bro, not my gun, though. Sure, yeah. You're a wimpy little gun? Sure. But me with my Barrett 50 cal sniper rifle? I'm going to take this thing down, best believe. Also, there's something strange about shooting at anything, paranormal or not, while it's asleep. That really feels wrong. Yeah, like, even if you were killing the devil, you'd want (laughs) to at least wake him up first. Yeah, and say, bye, bitch, (laughs) and pull the trigger. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Satan. Hey, I'm I'm just I'm gonna kill you. But I just I want you to be awake because huh? huh? this Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> He's awake for two seconds, turns you into a frog. Fuck! <laughs> I shouldn't grab it! I shouldn't grab it! Taking the rabbit shot! Fuck! <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems wrong. Even yeah. if like, I don't know. It's like Captain America, if he snuck up and strangled Thanos in his sleep, that feels bad. I know it's good, but it feels bad. It doesn't feel very patriotic. It doesn't feel very American. Uh, You're right. Give that job to, I don't know, Hulk or someone who doesn't, who isn't the like propaganda guy. Yeah, yeah. The guy in front of the magazine. Yeah. (laughs) Even if you, uh, like, gathered a town meeting the next day and you were like, I... I fucking got him. I cut off his head here. And everyone's like cheering. They're like, yes. Like, how did you do it? And you're like, you're never going to guess. He was asleep in a little bush. I think like nursing its children or whatever. And I just put the barrel of my gun in its mouth and blew its brains out. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, that's not okay. I know it was giving us a lot of trouble, but I think you're the the animal for doing that. (laughs) I think we need to put you down. Yeah, this feels, I don't know, something about it feels kind of cowardly. It's like in the movies where they capture King Kong. You know, he's a bad gorilla. Sure. He's pretty, (laughs) (laughs) he's a, well, he's pretty violent. I think he eats everything he can get his little monkey hands on. But that's not why they take him to New York City, is it? That's too far. That was, this is the part where they go too far is, uh, sure, you know whatever deal with them whatever way you you need to but don't take them to new york city 
freak him out, flash I bomb him. King Kong in so many years. Was was the premise of the movie they had to capture him because he was eating everything? Uh, Jesus, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think King Kong did anything wrong. I think they just found a giant monkey. You might be right now. Yeah, because I think it, well, he the new one eating all the world's bananas. <laughs> Yeah, I think in the new one, they're filming a, a, a movie on Skull Island and there's a uh, giant monkey. And then they're like, you know how much money we could get if we show people this monkey? Do you know how many bananas we'd save if we put this thing in a cage and feed him oatmeal instead? <laughs> this thing takes flight into the air. It flies over the whole town and the men chase after it, partly to see where it goes and also to get away from the stench. They reach the outskirts. Where the stench come from? The beasts. It smells? Yep. Wow, okay. That's new. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, Ovi White, he said he thought it might be a defense mechanism like a skunk. Oh, right. Oh, God, that's not good. Yeah. I mean, a deadly beast is bad enough without a stinky deadly beast. The men reach the outskirts of the town and see the beast heading away at speed before descending. It's going to the old coal mine. Oh, we got you now, you son of a bitch. The two men hatch a plan over the next few days. All the while, people living near the abandoned mine start hearing sinister sounds emanating from the old shafts. After the event, a newspaper quotes them saying the sounds were, as though Satan and a regiment of imps were coming forth for a battle. (gasps) Oh my God. That's bad. That's That's very descriptive. And at that point, you're thinking back, to five years ago when you bought that house near the old mine and everyone said, don't do it. The real estate value will tank in years to come. The mine can't keep going forever. They'll have to shut down the mine and you'll be living next to a mine. And you said, no, the views are great and the house is big and spacious. There you go. Now you got to deal with this. Satan's army of imps coming for you. I mean, at this point, you block up the mine, right? Like dynamite the entrance and just seal it off and starve the thing. Miners still inside. <laughs> There's no time. As word gets out, a fair few of the local men volunteer their monster hunting services. With enough men and heavy artillery on their side, they can't lose. So out they go to the outskirts of town, prepared to slay the beast or die trying. The angry mob is in a frenzy as they reach the hilltop overlooking the mines. But their bloodlust turns to fear when they see the visitor is at the mine's entrance, and it's not alone. My god, it's real. And look, there's another one! It's accompanied by a similar creature, but it's much smaller. No one knows what to do, they're all just standing there, confused. As they slowly come to their senses, someone shouts, GET HIM! (laughs) The men charge forward as one, guns a-blazing. But in a move everyone should have predicted, the visitor and what seems to be its child take flight and escape. Now what? Now we wait. There's nothing on earth a bullet can't kill. That doctor and Clarence are probably terrible shots. When those things get back here, we blast them. Plain and simple. Why does no one have faith in the person who saw the thing before they did? You have no more tools. It's 1903. You have no more tools to deal with this thing. There's no bloody doctor, for one. There's you, there's no police. There's no military. One guy saw it, and he was like, it's a it's an eight-foot night bird. The next person is like, well, I don't think it is. And then he sees it, and it's Agreed like, it's an eight-foot night bird, yeah. and I shot it, and it didn't 
work. And then the next guy goes, well, I think you missed I with think that it's shot. Bandits. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to stake out the, the old bank. I don't know why the beast ever came to the bank, by the way. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense That was kind of a good all. guess on the, on the part of the <laughs> Clarence. Yeah, he didn't even, even go for the vault at all. I don't know. We live in an age of stupidity today, and this is 120 years later. It's pretty fair to believe that this was also an age of stupidity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. To, to them as well, I mean, guns were so fresh. They were like... They were like lightsabers to those people, laser guns. They were like, this is the future of war. What are you telling me? A bullet isn't going to kill this thing. We just got found like, out about It's like telling someone today a nuke won't do the job. Yeah, it's like, what you do you mean? You can nuke it all you want. It won't make a dent. Well, I feel like you didn't hit it with the nuke or your nuke was a dud. I've seen Billy's nukes. They're weak and they're tiny. It destroyed Canada. <laughs> Billy's nukes destroyed Canada. It wasn't weak. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. So the man hunkered down. And after hours in the cold, the men are stirred by the faint sound of beating wings. Here they come! Get ready! The men stick to their plan, but the creatures are unharmed. They can't believe it! Whatever these things are, they are totally immune. Ignoring the onslaught completely, the pair of beings make their way into the cave and out of sight. At this point, the guys are tired and getting ratty, and one of them has an idea. If it involves a garden, I'm leaving right now. Nobody even uses this place anymore. 
Let's just seal it up and go home. Yes, boys. Genius. Thankfully, Mr. White, the hardware store owner, has enough bricks at his disposal to block up the entire entrance. And that's exactly what they do. Wow. That was the last time the visitor was ever seen. Whether the creatures find another way out or were trapped inside forever, we'll never know. So to this day, the the mines remain bricked up? Is this the only time this has happened in this paranormal life where the townspeople simply buried the cryptid alive? Uh, yeah, I mean, it must be. <laughs> I almost respect that, though. That's quite a practical solution is like, let's just seal it off and hope like another generation will have the technology to be able to deal with this. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like I often like to reference. It's a bit like dumping Megatron to the bottom of uh, Mariana's trench. It's, yeah, it's like someone else's problem. It's we the don't, sharks. We problem. don't know what to do. Let's figure it out in two hundred years. You just know that civilization would work tirelessly to create some sort of heat-seeking laser cannon to be able to take this thing down. And three hundred years later, they remove all the bricks and go into uh, the mine. There's an eagle skeleton in there and an <laughs> eagle baby skeleton. <laughs> it was a bird. They was, missed every shot. It was an endangered eagle, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh it is quite encouraging for the believability of this story that this thing was such a nuisance and a nightmare they had to bury it alive. Yeah, yeah, because it 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 at least proves that you know this thing was believed to be real so passionately that the entire town felt that physical action was required to seal it off and trap it. And if there haven't been any sightings since the wall was put up, that's some good evidence right there. You know, if we had if we had heard that the great pyramids of Giza in e ancient Egypt were built to contain an evil being, <laughs> that would be very concerning because they actually put a lot of effort into the pyramids. So yeah, it must have been quite important. Uh, so not quite the same scale, but building a giant wall to seal up a mine to keep a beast inside. That's quite creepy, actually. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. I wish we had taken that approach to more paranormal creatures. <laughs> First sighting of the Loveland Frogman. Trap him in a little cage. Trap him in a cage. It's always, Yeah, because it's always kill the beast. It's never trap it, you know? Well, sealing it inside a mine is killing it just over a <laughs> longer period of time. <laughs> yeah, unless that thing is a rock-eating Goron, it's going to be dead in a fortnight. <laughs> So the problem is, we're not sure where this mine is. There's a lot of posts and videos about paranormal activity at an abandoned brick factory in Van Meter, but that, that a lot of websites say is near the mine, but I've been unable to see with photos the mine itself. Our researcher Amy Grisdale did some digging and found a website that has an interactive map of all the coal mines in Iowa. Now Van Meter has four in total, three of which are really near the old brick place. So in theory, if we wanted to go looking, we do have a jumping off point. So even though one entrance was sealed, there are other entrances where it could have maybe escaped? No, other mines. Other mines, okay. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's possible. If they're, they're interlinked. They're, they're connected, that's possible, but um, it appears to be different mines. Yeah, I guess if one town of a thousand people has four, there's a chance the beast buried through and they got out another entrance. Um, but it would be very interesting to know if anyone alive has seen this mine and heard this legend. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's quite a predicament, isn't it? 
we're kind of stuck in this dilemma where the only way to tell if the creature is real is to open up the mine and risk setting it free once again. Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right. It's the Pandora's box for sure. Exactly. Is it worth the risk of possibly unleashing this thing once again on this small town just to be like, oh yeah, it is real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the ancient prophecies were foretold. That's pretty interesting. Oh, what do you know? Oh yeah, look, it just picked a guy up. Ah! The guy is unloading shot after <laughs> shot from his 9mm pistol. It's not doing it's, anything. It's not going to work, buddy. Th- this, all the stories That's, are true. It's the one, it's the one thing we know. It won't work. What a dumbass. <laughs> what an idiot. Rips his head off. <laughs> so we've got to try and establish what we're dealing with in this case. So let's just recap with the powers this thing had to see if anything jumps out at us. It was a three-toed humanoid being with giant bat wings that could fly and move at incredible speed. Have we covered anything like this before? Mothman, maybe? Very interesting. Mothman. Giant winged. Looks a bit like a human, except for on account of being a giant moth too. Yeah. Uh, this thing could inca- incapacitate people, render them confused. It had a, uh, a f***ing 100 watt torch uh, on top of its head. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Bit of a weird one. It's like a flying lighthouse. Which... It's definitely not in the remit of moths because they like lights. They don't have lights. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. You can't, you can't, that's too powerful. You can't make a <laughs> moth that also makes light. It's like, yeah, having King Kong, but he grows bananas out of his fingers. <laughs> it's too powerful. What he wants, he already has. He's that unstoppable. Would, evolution has stopped that from happening. It also smelled bad and could seemingly drop a chemical bomb on command. And of course, last but not least, it couldn't be hurt by bullets, even at close range. Now, I struggled to come up with a known cryptid that has every single one of these attributes. So we're going to have to take them one by one and break down what fits. One story this may remind listeners of is the Jersey Devil. Yeah. If you can't remember what the Jersey Devil looks like, here's Wikipedia's description. A bipedal kangaroo-like creature with a horse or goat-like head, leathery bat wings, horns small arms with clawed hands, legs with cloven hooves, and a forked tail. Bit all over the place, bit mishmash. That was a good episode. I recommend going back and listening to that one if you haven't heard it already. It's kind of a, you know, NBA all-star cryptid. It has been reported to move quickly and is often described as emitting a high-pitched blood-curdling scream. We're kind of losing it at the hooves, though. (laughs) The hooves are throwing it is a bit of a mishmash. Yeah, uh, it's got the wings, it's got the speed, it's got the creepy noises, but doesn't have a light, and it's a good bit smaller than the eight feet that these men said the visitor was. Yeah. So when you look through other cryptids, some of them have a passing resemblance. I mean, the Florida skunk ape smells awful. Mothman's got the wings. But whatever visited Van Meter in 1903 isn't an exact match for any of these. Now, maybe the reason we can't think of any known cryptid that matches the description is because it's something we've never seen before. Could it even be from another planet? Hmm. Well, they did call it the Visitor, which I liked, implying it's visiting from somewhere. It also couldn't be hurt by bullets and could move at unbelievable speed and project light. So it kind of seems like cool technology. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think it's just something about it 
um, residing in a mine with its child that makes it feel not extraterrestrial. Feels like an animal. It yeah. was also sleeping on a lamppost. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem an advanced that seem alien that smart. wouldn't do, probably. Uh, because in the stories where we do have someone who is, you know, blinded by a light and paralyzed and they see some sort of creature, usually that creature has arrived and then quite quickly departed in some mm-hmm. sort of craft. Yeah. It, it doesn't kind of come down, check out the local bank, have a nap on a telephone pole, <laughs> go into a mine for a little bit. Maybe poles are beds to aliens. <laughs> who knows? But I think if it was some sort of um, intelligent extraterrestrial life, also, bricks wouldn't stop it from escaping. <laughs> That's true. A laser beam would have cut a hole <laughs> out of the bricks immediately. Yeah, I like that earlier I I heavily foreshadowed that this thing was a visitor because it came and went. It didn't go anywhere. They buried it alive. They, it, yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of a... Well, I guess it visited and never left. Does that still make you a visitor if you never leave? I guess. Or just makes you a resident, I guess. Now, the closest match that I could find could be the Thunderbird. Whoa. The legendary creature from Native American history. Zapdos? It had enormous wings and could flash lightning from its eyes. Now, some people think it's a myth. Others regard it as like a real part of their living culture. Without evidence, it is hard to say. But what if the Van Meter monster counts as evidence of a Thunderbird? And despite being widely considered um, mythological, there is actually a couple sightings throughout the years of real Thunderbirds. (laughs) There was one famous sighting. It's called the 1977 Lawndale, Illinois Thunderbird Attack. Attack? It was reported that two unidentified birds attacked a young boy on July 25th, 1977. Ten-year-old Martin Lowe was playing outside when he was suddenly attacked by two large birds, one of which picked him up and carried him 30 feet before Martin's mother, Ruth Lowe, ran to her son's rescue, chasing the birds away and recovering her son. Jesus Christ. Are we talking about, like, a large crow here? Or are we talking about, like, a... Rescuers down under 40-foot golden eagle. Several eyewitnesses saw the attack take place. The birds were described as having a white ring around their necks, four and a half feet long body, with each wing approximately four feet long, a six-inch hooked bill, and three front claws, one back claw, and a large black body. Okay, so not too big. I mean, four feet wings either side yeah not wingspan no so i mean once you put in the body and both wings you're talking about 10 feet wingspan that's quite a big bird isn't it i mean that door right there is probably this is a big door in the studio that thing is probably about that would be nine foot i'd say so a wingspan bigger than that could definitely pick up a boy and it's also too big to be a bird yeah, because I, cause I mean, look, there are big birds. Sesame Street alone, sure. But but I don't know if there's any correlation between the size of birds and their ability to fly or not. Because the whole thing is that birds have, isn't it that they have hollow bones? Isn't that kind of the reason why they can pretty much fly? Something like that. Uh, whereas like larger birds, like ostriches. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they can't fly. They're too heavy. 
So for a creature like this to be that size and still capable of not only flying, but picking up a child and flying. Yeah, picking up cargo. <laughs> be able to drop a child like a care package. Uh, <laughs> I, that's paranormal. I think an albatross is the biggest bird, right? Let me ask Siri here. Hey, Siri, what what is the wingspan of an albatross? Here's an answer from discovermagazine.com. The albatross is one of the world's largest living birds with a wingspan of up to 11 feet across. Ooh. 11 feet across. Damn. So that's not far from this creature. That's basically the same. Wow, that kind of put a hole in the sail, didn't it? <laughs> so here's a uh, picture of an albatross example next to a human. My God. That's a bigger bird than Big Bird. That is, that thing is huge. It looks like, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like an, a giant seagull. Like, it could pick up a child. It could easily pick up a child. Weirdly, recently I was in uh, Hastings, south coast of England, checking out the checking out the castle and that. Um, checking out the battle, see if I could find any swords lying about. Of course, you never know. And there, was, there wasn't any swords. So, got bored, went to a little fishing museum they have right there on the seaside. Um, really cool, just to see all the old, like, fishermen's huts and stuff. And they had an example of an albatross, and it said that albatross are so big and so heavy that if there isn't a breeze, they pretty much can't get off the ground. Wow. They, they like, they can't just flap their wings and get up there. They need, like, a wind to, like, take them. They need, like... Boeing 737 style, a huge runway, basically <laughs> yeah. only lift itself off and then Perfect it's fine. Conditions. That's crazy. So that's, I mean, that kind of shows you, isn't it? Like, is that bird, if it could barely fly, you know, without a breeze, is it really picking up a boy and carrying him? I didn't think about that. Yeah. Also, I think they only eat fish. <laughs> I don't think they eat animals on land. How fishy was this boy? Was he a <laughs> trout looking motherfucker? You've been eating scampi three times a day for years. <laughs> he smelt like a crustacean. <laughs> His DNA was eighty percent scampi by the time the bird got him. I mean, as someone who's grown up on the on the a lot of um coastal towns, I've been straight up attacked by seagulls before. <laughs> sure. So I, I'm no stranger to the violence of birds. Um, seagulls have have smashed into my hands so that I drop. My entire meal and a gang of them will come down and grab it. Uh, I was bitten by a goose when I was younger, um, which made me afraid of geese and swans. Wow. So I've, ha I've, I'm, I've had a long history of, of uh, t being terrorized by birds. So this hits close to home. Good thing you didn't Marvel style turn into Goose Man. I mean, just to nip this one in the bud, I will show you a quick artist illustration of what a Thunderbird might have looked like back in the day. Wow. I mean, Jesus Christ. Christ, this isn't what I, I... I mean, let's face it, I was picturing Zapdos, the legendary uh, lightning Pokemon. But this is more of like a... It's a dragon, kind of, but with a really long, wormy body. Mm. And it... This thing has a horse in its mouth, <laughs> so it's definitely pretty big. And it ain't a pony. No, this is a full horse. Yeah, what, what we're talking about is some kind of bird. Can I mention the picture below it? Was I supposed to see that yet? Because that is ridiculous. Give me it back. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, you can. Okay. <laughs> Just need to make sure. 
don't know why kids stopped me there because slightly below that picture is another picture of which I, I think it's quite clear why I would stop you. It's a big departure from the image you just saw. Yeah. I mean, the first one, sure. It kind of looks like a bat, a giant bat with a crocodile body. This one is a creature from an anime. <laughs> it is a... It is the power of love and friendship on its side. It's a pterodactyl with a skull head shooting a laser beam from its eyes. It's a bit more nuts. Now, that one is wild and terrifying and does in many ways fit the description of the Van Meter visitor, uh, which is interesting because it also looks damn similar to ancient dinosaurs, such as the one I'm showing Rory right now, a pterosaur. I've never seen this dinosaur before. Um, I think it's a type of like precursor to like, well, certainly a relative to pterodactyls, you know? Yes. I think this actually becomes comes before dinosaurs. It's not even technically a dinosaur. Dude, that's nuts, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's also funny that, um, you know, to see all these like bird dinosaurs, because uh, as we all know, birds are technically dinosaurs. Um, so it's cool to see their early forms still stomping about. Should be called Kentucky Fried Dinosaurs. <laughs> KFD. So a pretty tough one to crack here, Rory. We've got no cryptids that really match this thing, meaning it's potentially totally unique. We've got maybe a little hint of um, an ancient Native American um, mythological creature. And then, even more worryingly, it pretty much the only thing that fits the bill is a 230 million year old dinosaur. There must be more stories like that um, of people claiming that they saw extinct creatures i feel like that's gotta be a whole other episode right Right, like dinosaur sightings in 2020 mm-hmm. or 2021 because there's got to be people who have just been out and they're like i saw a velociraptor <laughs> which that, that would be a really fun uh, story. it was just a chicken yeah it's easy to get them mixed <laughs> up actually because we've talked about you know time slips before yeah man who's to say that this ancient dinosaur didn't slip out of existence and into this tiny little town in the 1900s. So true. I love this idea. A mashup of a previous episode, the idea that a portal could open up in the middle of nowhere and a dinosaur slips out. Yeah. And into 1900s Iowa. I guess there's some questions about the bright light and bullets not affecting it. Mm. Um, Because if Jurassic Park has taught me anything, it's bullets can affect dinosaurs. Yes. Not the T-Rex, but some of the smaller ones. Uh, I didn't even consider T-Rex. That's another possibility, which I don't want to get into because we've got too many as it is. I should say, as an addendum here, there's always the possibility of a hoax, right? In all paranormal cases. Sure. But I would like to note that in an old newspaper article written about the Van Meter Visitor, it talks a lot about how the locals were pretty pissed off about this whole affair. They were annoyed that it happened. They were annoyed. The visitor caused so much disruption and they were annoyed that they got the reputation for this thing happening and such a crazy thing happening. And they just wanted to move on and get past it. A far cry from many of the other kind of um, things that happen to small towns and they just run with it and try and uh, make a buck out of it. I think there is now, of course, a (laughs) festival commemorating the visitor. Granted, yeah. But it started in 2013, over 100 years after the actual event. Okay, that's fair. It wasn't like three weeks later. 
No. They were like, welcome to Thunderbird City, home of the visitor. If you knock on the bricks <laughs> at the mine, you can hear it squawk. <laughs> Only $3 a knock. <laughs> so, Rory, I feel I have overloaded you with possibilities for what the Van Meter visitor is, but we got to decide whether it's truly paranormal or not. What do you think today? Glad to have the options. I appreciate the research that went into this. And you know I'm a sucker for a good cryptid story, especially one that could possibly involve... A uh, mythological Pokemon. A legendary Pokemon. I don't think I ever said that. I don't think I said that. Uh, lightning Bird does imply the existence of Ice Bird okay. and Fire Bird. That, well, that would have to be a different podcast, I think. Uh, which I also like and I'm very interested in. Um, I think the problem that we have with this episode, which we have with a lot of our cryptid episodes, is the physical evidence. You know, I think even when we did the case of the Lizard Man... A very unbelievable story. We still had the cement plaster. We still had the cement casts of its prints that it left in the in the dirt, um, even though we didn't have any photographs. But in this case, we don't even have the prints that were allegedly made by the town badass. It's true. So there's kind of, even though there's a lot of lore and theories around what the creature is, there's very little physical evidence uh, to help us with today's case. And frustratingly... The physical evidence may exist locked away in a creepy old mine in Iowa to this very day. So if that's what we have to do to find out whether or not this thing exists or not, then maybe that's what we will have to do on a bonus episode. Crack into the old mine and see for ourselves. Mr. Biden, tear <laughs> down that wall. Build it up! Build it up! <laughs> he was waiting for the second someone give it a chance. <laughs> That'd be great. After years of petitioning, you finally get the town to tear down the wall. You remove one brick and there's just an eye peeking out. Whoa! <laughs> Put it back in. Put it back in. <laughs> Until that wall has been uh, has been taken down, unfortunately, uh, I just don't have... Enough evidence to say that this is uh, that this exists. So I'm, I'm going to have to do a no this week, unfortunately. I think it will have to be a double no. The case of the Van Meter visitor. I would love to hear from anyone uh, in this area who's maybe heard of this legend. Maybe gone down near the creepy old mine that's been bricked up. And maybe, hell, chipped away at a couple bricks just to see what's up. Get a little peek, sure. I can't believe no one has tried removing the bricks yet. Someone's got to have. Right, yeah. But better them than me, I think. <laughs> uh, I'll research the story from my cozy, cozy living room. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode about the Van Meter Visitor. Uh, fantastic story. Thank you so much Wonderful. to Amy Grisdale for researching that one. For guesting on the podcast. I actually sure. don't think... Not going to protest that. At the end, we were always like, thank you, uh, Cami, our editor. Thank you, Amy, for doing all the research. But like, you know, when is it ever like, thank you, Rory... For like the jokes and and like the insight that you brought to the podcast, I, I feel like people I feel, don't I feel like you get the thanks through kind of the success of the show and and the you know the followers and and kind of the nice messages you receive from the listeners. Yeah, and, I, I don't. Really and know. we do get financial support from Patreon too, so that's kind of like a that's actually like a pretty tangible little thank you. It's like sure, whatever, all that's like fine. But when does everyone just go thanks, Rory? Uh, what a gr- another great episode, Rory! Every time we record, I usually go, "Thanks, man, for for coming over and uh, and and doing a great podcast." Just yeah, like, I thank you every time. It's just 
you know, it doesn't mean anything coming from you because yeah. I don't like, I don't think about you as someone who's like important or anything. So I want it from, I wow. want it from somebody <laughs> famous. Tell me what you really somebody. think. Tell me what you really think, Rory. I oh, want someone famous that. to say it just for once in my life. So I'm confused because you got annoyed that I thanked our researcher inferred that you wanted thanks and then said it wouldn't mean shit coming from <laughs> me because I'm not famous. And actually Cami and Amy feel the same way. Really? Yeah, we had a, we have a WhatsApp group without you in it, and we were all agreed. It was just like, F- this kit guy. We should we should start our own thing. This is so, weirdly candid of you. You never really, you usually beat her on the bush an awful lot more. You just said you don't care what I think, and we all agree. F- this kit guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. So we're we're gonna do like our own podcast, and then things, this is so. how you're telling me. This I just is felt unbelievable. like we, I wanted like the audience to be a part of it um why so why would you want them to be a part family. of a coup <laughs> it's a f-ed up thing to want them to be a part of uh so everyone um tune in to no absolutely other... not you, you don't get to end the podcast tune into our other podcast um do you know what it is yet yeah i've got a pretty good idea it's called you're, hold on let me get, let me bring clearly up thinking so hard about this no we have it in an email Sorry, I just got to go through the, the email chain. Um, Cami said, fuck it. Amy said, who what, Who does he think he is? So it doesn't sound like there's been any brainstorming about the we haven't quite got to the We haven't got podcast. to the point of the show yet. Have they even agreed to do the podcast with you yet? Uh, yeah, no, they have. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm out. It's they've, just them? They f***ing... They booted me out, bud. I can't believe that they, I mean, obviously it's good that like, you know, we're still a team together and like, that's cool. Cause you know, I always respected the work that we did Hold up. together. Hold up. I just got an email. No, no. F- that Rory guy is a subject line. No, don't we- read any block them. We trolled him like the little bitch he is. No. He's out, you're in. Oh my god, this can't be happening. I mean, my instinct is to be appalled because I thought we were hiring them, but I actually feel pretty special to be included again. So, no, but fuck it, I'm in. No! What about us, the show? All right, everyone, stop listening. <laughs> unfollow, unsubscribe, unfollow Rory on all platforms, follow the new podcast. No idea what it's called. I guess I'll have to link it below. I appreciate it. Uh, this podcast ending seems a little chaotic, but rest assured, by the time this goes live, um, the dust will have settled and someone will be on top, and I hope it's me. If you can't get enough of this paranormal life, investigations into all things paranormal, check out patreon.com. Because on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life, you can get access to basically a, a calendar year's worth of podcasts. I think there's 40-something full-length episodes investigations into the paranormal the too hot for tv content that we cannot share here on the main feed and this month is a great month to check out the patreon because our most recent bonus episode was all about haunted disneyland all the f***ed up dark side shit that has ever gone down at disneyland it was one of my favorite episodes we've recorded super fun uh and that's available along with 40 plus other full-length episodes for as little as five dollars but kit What if I want this Paranormal Life merchandise, but I don't know how to use Patreon? We have a new merchandise store over on thisparanormallife.com. We have a US store and a UK and Europe store. 
Um, so you can get this Paranormal Life official merchandise shipped to you fast, as cheap as possible, and made with very high quality product. No sweatshop labor or none of that. Rory, tell them what kind of t-shirts you can get. Oh, Jesus. Uh, you can get uh, uh, this Paranormal Life logo t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, pristine, crisp shirts. You can also get Chompies, everyone's favorite breakfast cereal. We've got Chompies branded t-shirts in multiple styles. So definitely go check it out. And we'll have, can we say this? Can we say we've got a new design coming soon? Kind of soon? The new well, podcast that I'm starting with Cammy and Amy, the merchandise will also be available in this Paranormal Life store. <laughs> We're piggybacking off their Shopify. No, you're absolutely right. There is a new design. Pretty imminently, actually. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have updates soon. So, yeah, stay tuned. You can always find out what's new in the world of this Paranormal Life by checking out our socials. All of the links to which are in the description of this podcast. Just swipe up, check it out. Like I say, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of This Paranormal Life. We will, of course, be back next Tuesday with a brand new paranormal tale. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.